0: This is Ken Lubin, the host and founder of the Executive Athletes Podcast, and welcome to this week's episode. I want to thank everyone that's been listening, and thank you for the comments and feedback. They're awesome and an incredible help in this journey to making this podcast better and better each episode. Once again, this is unscripted and unedited, as I believe it is the best way to get to really know the guest. This week's guest is Dr. Lara Pence. She's a licensed clinical psychologist who has spent the last 15 years working with individuals as they peel back the layers of their outer shell, cast aside the unhealthy patterns, and build a new one, more resilient and adventurous sense of self. A native of the East Coast, she completed her postdoctoral fellow in Dallas, and then transitioned into private practice where she saw individuals, couples, and families alike for therapeutic services. She quickly became one of the most sought-after therapists in Dallas, and now has moved to Fort Collins, and supervised various other professionals in the community. In 2018, Dr. Pence uh, moved to Colorado and came on board as the chief mind doctor for Spartan, the world's leading endurance company, where she's hosted the Spartan Mind podcast and consulted with the organizations on various mindset-focused initiatives. She also works as a coach for The Unbeatable Mind alongside Mark Devine, founder of SealFit. She's been featured in various publications and media outlets such as Good Morning America, the BBC, Glamour, Vogue, WebMD, Psychology Today, and the Huffington Post. Dr. Pence is also the founder of Lifebox, a modern tool that can help increase self-awareness and initiate monumental change. So Dr. Pence, Lara, welcome to the show.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me. It's always so surreal to hear people like talk about, like say your bio, and you're like, oh yeah, I did that stuff. Oh yeah. So thanks. They sound for pretty me. cool
0: when they say it, right? It's like, <laughs> I, I actually did some fun things.
1: I know. I know. It's also really neat to just sort of like see the development. You know, when you live your own development, sometimes it's hard to reflect back on things, as I'm sure even we'll talk about today. And it's kind of neat to see the trajectory.
0: Well, and that's it, right? We're always, you know, the best way to grow is always be in growth mode. A lot of people don't realize that it's through that's learning and right. it's trying new things. And like you're saying, you know, becoming more adventurous. I think that's a mm-hmm. big thing that people aren't doing. But, you know, and that's exactly what you did with you and your family. But tell us a little bit about you and a little bit more about Lara from your own words
1: yeah so gosh, I feel like i 'm so many things. How do I nail it down? uh primarily you know a mom, a wife, a psychologist um and I think I always knew that I wanted to be a psychologist in you know even as like a young kid i I really enjoyed listening to people and like trying to solve problems and um, and then in eighth grade, I took this, you, you know, those human development classes where you like carry around the egg for three months to simulate like a baby. Um, that class just blew my mind. And lasts like a day. Yeah, <laughs> I think I did. I do think we dropped the egg. Uh, <laughs> however, you know, I really i so fascinated by the idea that, you know, we as humans are so impacted by our relationships and our experiences and the world around us. And, you know, it can really um, set us on a path, you know, towards success or towards suffering or towards struggle, just in terms of all of the things that we go through as humans. And so, you know, it was a really easy kind of Trajectory for me. I, you know, immediately when I went to college, I knew I was going to major in psych, and then it was like I knew I was going to go to graduate school. And then after graduate school, it was like I knew I was going to do private practice. So in that way, it's just I've sort of fulfilled exactly what I imagined for myself. The the different things that have come up along the way, you know, anything from me shifting into my work with Spartan, me growing a family, you know, these are kind of the things that that have been nuanced and interesting and more adventurous for me. And my career certainly has in a lot of ways, but it's all, you know, it's like I sit here today, 15 years into my career, and I just think to myself, I'm exactly where I meant, was meant to be. Like I'm doing exactly what I was meant to do, which is a really, really great and positive feeling um, to have, to know that I, I am exactly where I am meant to be and to feel confident in that.
0: Most people aren't even close to where they thought they would be. So congratulations on that.
1: I know. I know. You know, and to those people too, I mean, listen, like, let's be honest. The truth is I'm 40, going on 41. And there are absolutely times and days where I think to myself, could I be doing something else or should I be doing something else? And most certainly I've had some pivots in my career, like working with Spartan was a tremendous pivot for me. You know, I had been in private practice just working, you know, in that setting. For ten years, and it was really interesting, actually, Ken. Because what happened was, I was starting to feel a little burnt out. Um, I worked primarily with individuals who have eating disorders, which, as other mental health professionals know, is a really dangerous. Um, I mean, it's the it's the mental illness with the highest mortality rate. So, you know, we're dealing with individuals that are really, really sick and often knocking on death's door. And so, after ten years of doing that. I think I felt quite burnt out and I sort of almost like gave up to the universe, you know, like lifted up to the universe and said, like, send me something else. And I'm not kidding. Very soon after that, I got that phone from Spartan and I was like, what? This is weird, you know? Um, And I was open to, and I think this is what I would, you know, encourage some people to think about is like, how do you allow yourself to be open to something that's unknown and unfamiliar and say yes to for the pure purpose? Of putting yourself in a situation that's uncomfortable and unfamiliar, um, and that was a good pivot for me uh, in my career, and just allowing me to be more adventurous, allowing me to do something new, allowing me to to explore a different branch of of my contribution. You know, it's it's a very similar mission, right? My mission as a psychologist is to help transform lives. That's Spartan's mission. Um, so it was very similar and aligned with my value system, and at the same time quite new and exciting.
0: No, and that's what's super cool, right? And and I love what you said there is just sort of overcoming that fear to try something new, right? And I think as we're going through this pandemic right now, and as we're taping this, it's the middle of July and still there's uncertainty of what's going on. And that's
1: right. I think
0: more people are still trying to hang on to the past versus look to the future. Agreed. What what advice would you give to those people that are you know just are are, are hanging on or grasping because we all know people are more afraid to lose money than they are to go out and try to make more money right it's sort of the same type of thing
1: Absolutely Talk to us about that yeah. So, you know, and and you're so right. And I'm hearing so often, and sometimes I even catch myself saying, like, can't we just get back to, right? Can't we just get back to normal? Or can't we just get back to living the way that we did? Or I can't wait until the day when things go back to normal. And so there is. And I think part of that is about the grieving process. Like the truth is our life will never be exactly the same again, right? Like this is, this is a truly massive event that has, has shaken us as a culture to the core, as, um, as individuals to the core, as a community to the core. Um, and there will now be, from my perspective, sort of forever a time of pre-COVID, post-COVID, right? Mm. Um, I think though, what I encourage individuals to think about is, how do we view this as opportunity rather than threat? Um, and I think when, when we look to the future, and we look to the unknown, and we aren't sure, you know, are the kids going to go back to school? Um, am I a month away from losing my job now? You know, or you know, what's, what's going to happen to the economy? What's, there's, there is that unknown, right? But often, I like to just even shift the way we ask those questions, like even the inflection in our voice. You know, it's like, gosh, what's going to happen? What if we changed that to, gosh, I wonder what's going to happen? You know, like just even that shift a little bit allows us to think there could be so many things in the future that actually benefit us and that we can capitalize on and cultivate that can grow us as human beings that, you know, what if instead of wanting to go back to what was, we think of the future of what could be. And listen, a lot of times, you know, I've worked with families and had teenagers for example as my clients and I'll have parents come in and say, "You know, I just want my daughter back. I just want her the you know the the girl that I knew 2 years ago, that's who I I want her again. Like this eating disorder or this depression or this anxiety seems to have stripped her of who she was." And I always say to parents, "I don't I don't want to want to give you that daughter back because she got really sick you know, and she ended up getting depression and she ended up getting anxiety. I want to give you her 2.0. Like what is the new awesome version of herself that you can begin to love and adore and appreciate just as much as you did the other daughter, um, the other version of the daughter. And I think that's how we need to look at the future. Like we are now in 2.0 land, right? Like this is now, how do we think of the future as this is 2020 2.0, right? Like three twenties. Right. Um, in a way that we can experience as opportunity rather than threat. And I know it's scary, and I think a lot of people are like, but, but there's so much of this, and I don't know if I'm gonna have money, and I don't know if I'm gonna have a job, and I don't know if I'm gonna have my parents around anymore, and I understand that. That can be scary. And yet still, we can think of the small ways in which we can create opportunity in this experience.
0: No, it's, it's pretty funny. My wife, I was ta- you know, talking to my wife about this whole thing. She's like, I almost don't want it to go back to the way it was, that right. it was the hustle, that it was almost manufactured hustle, right? Is is yep. really what it was. And it's like, you felt like you had to be sitting in your computer all day and that it's work or, you, you know, you feel like you have to go do this or go do that. And, right. and You don't, right. It's, you can get in reality is most people spend probably three hours a day actually working when they go to work. Mm -hmm. And if you can figure out how to get eight hours work done in three hours, it's masterful. I actually, someone I've had on the podcast, Dave Rhodes, who changed his culture at his organization to a five hour work day. They go in at eight, they go to one. And this was even before the pandemic and efficiency went through the roof. Yeah. Everything started, you know, they started making money. They started going, way better because he was thinking a little bit different and there is opportunity in that and it's scary as shit believe me you know I'm right there I'm you mm-hmm. know wondering oh what's you know what bills or how are you going to be making money when the entire economy shut down and, it, and it's right. not fun but if you sort of sit back and be like here you have an opportunity to reinvent yourself right here's a opportunity to reboot I found myself for the first up until even the last Two or three weeks being like i just gotta push i just gotta push and then once once you're sort of pushing water uphill with a rake and then <laughs> like you said you sort of let the universe happen and then things start really happening right you that's know, right you know sort of shift your mindset
1: that's right and i think you know i think one of the one of the biggest tools that we can utilize to help us do that is sort of this idea of radical acceptance and this knowing that Things couldn't be any different, you know, and yes, you will always have the people that say, but it could have been different. Like, you know, we could have prepared better. We could have, you know, um, secured ourselves more financially or, and you know, we could go down that rabbit hole all day long, but what's the point? It's not going to be going down that line of thinking actually isn't necessarily going to change what you do today. And so what if it's just, it couldn't have been every different, it couldn't have been any different. And so I am in the position that I am in, that I am in now for a reason, like there is a reason that I'm here right now. And how can I open my eyes up to the possibility of what's around me that I now need to pay attention to that before? I was distracted by, you know, and that I couldn't pay attention to. Um, And for a lot of people, Ken, I'm recognizing, especially in my work with clients, that for a lot of people, that's their family. You know, now is an opportunity to really look at the people that they're sitting with at the dinner table and think, I don't even know what's going on in my teenager's life. You know, I don't even know what my nine year old is interested in. I don't even know what happened at my husband's job today. You know, and so that's an opportunity for you to reflect on what other kind of connection, what what do you want to cultivate out of the relationship you have with your family? Um, and I think a lot of people are, are like I've heard a lot of people say, I don't want this part to go away. I want to be mm-hmm. able to have the dinner every night with my family. And I want to be able to have that 30 minutes of reading time with my teenage girl where we sit down and the iPhone is up in her room and we're just sitting there together. Um, I think that for people has been a monumental shift. And again, an opportunity for you to take a look at how do you maintain some of these things that you've been thrown into that now are going to actually help you cultivate and grow the values that you have.
0: Now talk to us about, you know, there's, and we're sort of getting into the resiliency piece, right, as Mm -hmm. well, right, without getting, going down that rabbit hole and and sort of accepting where you are i think that's one of the biggest pieces resilience is accepting where you are and how are you going to move forward right versus right. just not accepting and going backwards talk to us about you know sort of resiliency during a pandemic
1: yeah i mean i think you know there's a couple of things that i like to think about in that regard and one is you know what what You know about yourself already that can help you cultivate the current time. Like, what do you know about yourself already in terms of in terms of your strengths, in terms of your grit, your perseverance, your commitment, that can help you tap back into that resilience? Because, you know, the truth is, a lot of people right now feel overwhelmed. They feel like this is new. You know, we've never done this before, so I don't know how to do this. And I guess what I would encourage people to think about is correct. We have we have not you know lived through a pandemic like this, right? Yeah, there
0: is no book written mental health for a pandemic, right? Right,
1: exactly, or exactly. Goldman
0: Sachs didn't have you know <laughs> they've modeled everything out except an economy during a pandemic that was shut down over a weekend, right? This That's is right. new for everyone.
1: This is new for everyone, and so so you I mean you took the words right out of my mouth, Ken. In the sense, that I think part of resilience too is about common humanity. Is about remembering like we are all in this boat together and so how do we make this boat float right because we are all in this now there are definitely people who might be better off and even benefiting in some ways from this pandemic but that doesn't mean that it's not uncertain for them either or that there aren't elements of this that are struggle so i think one of the pieces of resilience that i think is key is dialing into the common humanity of it like we are all here together and so how do we how do we garner and how do we grow that muscle of strength that we all have, right? The other thing though, is I think that we get really caught up in like content and details. And what I mean by that is, you know, we can focus in on the word pandemic um, as, you know, well, we've never been through a pandemic before. Correct. What have we been through before? We've been through scary times, 9 11 Right, we've been through unknown and uncertainty and economic distress, 2006 to 2008. Right, it's like there. If you take the content word out of it, like that, what you see on paper, and you dive deeper into what's behind that, what's what is the emotion, what is the stressful feeling, then we can say, oh yeah, I have done that before. Like I do remember that. And listen, it doesn't even need to be those big events like 9/11 or you know. Um, the crash in the market in 2008. What about just the day that your child was born? If you're a parent, how fucking scary was that? You know, (laughs) where it's like, oh my gosh, okay, all of a sudden I have a human that I have to keep alive and I've never held a newborn before. You know, it's like, if you allow yourself to just for a second, close your eyes and reflect on those moments when those words popped up for you and those feelings popped up for you, then you can call up those resilience data points and be like, oh my gosh, I have done this before. Like not exactly this thing, that's content, but this process, right? Like if we focus on the process of, oh yeah, I have worked through the unknown. Oh yeah, that was really scary for me when I was in sixth grade and I broke my leg and I wasn't sure if I was ever gonna play soccer again, right, like that was devastating for me as a 12 year old. Oh my gosh, I have that resilience too. Like you begin to kind of accumulate this encyclopedia Of all of these times when you have, in fact, been through something like this before. And I'm using air quotes for those that are listening in audio, but I think that part is really key. And, you know, from my experience too, as a psychologist, like I'll find that in my private practice, you know. So, for example, if I'm working with someone who has deep depression, and inevitably, usually at some point in time with my work with that person, they might say to me, Well, but have you ever struggled with depression? Because if you haven't struggled, how do you really know how to help me? Right. And I haven't. I have never struggled with clinical depression. But what I can say is listen, I'm a human. I've been lonely. I've wondered whether or not I'm going to make it in terms of whether or not I'm going to make it successfully, whether or not I'm going to find a husband, whether or not I'm going to want the things out of my life. You know, I've felt overwhelmed. Like, these are how I can express empathy and be with you as we work together to change the way that you're thinking about where you are right now. Um, and I think that's really key is us being able to tap into the process of where we are rather than dial in so much on the content of what we're seeing. If, does that make sense?
0: I do. I love that. You know, and the content piece is is key. And, you know, I've been, most of the listeners know I'm in the search business and I've been through 01, 08, 09, this world. And the funny thing is, is that this cycle was just spun upon us fast people yes. the economy was already going in the downturn no matter what people were saying we were going through a next cycle anyways but the next cycle didn't include you know everything that's going on but again i think there is there's an opportunity for a reset and actually the cycle's i think going to be quicker than it would have been if this didn't happen to be honest because it's going to be boom boom and all of a right. sudden you know because there is no supply you know supply and demand is what it comes down to and it's, there's going to be a big demand for everything when you come out the other side. That's right.
1: Right. And Um, I think, and you know this, Ken, too, like being, you know, an adventure racer and using your physical body as a reminder for what you're capable of. And, you know, for me, for example, when I go for a run and it's a longer run than normal, or I'm running a trail that I haven't run before, and a part of my body starts to hurt or feel weird, you know, that immediate response in my brain is, uh oh, should I stop? You know, like, uh oh, should I slow down? That doesn't feel right. You know? Um, but then if I allow myself to just plant that reminder of, oh, wait, this is just my body adjusting, right? Like this is just my body getting used to mile nine right now, or this is just my body, you know, getting into that elevation that I haven't run in a few months, you know? Um, but I've done this before. You know, I may not have run this trail before. I may not have done this distance before, but oh, right. Like this in my body is familiar to me in some way. Um, And I think we need to sometimes see these experiences the same way. Like I've never done a pandemic before. I have never homeschooled my children before, (laughs) you know? Um, But oh, oh, right. Gosh, I was really creative when I was a kid. Like how can I pull up that creativity and make A popsicle tent with my children, you know? Um, So I think again, it's like focusing in on those past experiences that we have as almost like a Rolodex. I know people don't use Rolodexes anymore, but like as that thing that we can flip to and be like, right, I actually have that inside of me already. I just need to call it up in this moment and remember that I can call it up.
0: No, and that's, you know, and that's interesting to what you said, sort of about, you know, your kids, right, and calling that back up. And there's sort of actually a sense of adventure that's actually starting to happen, too. I think even kids mm-hmm. are getting sick of being on their devices, right? They're, yeah. they're like, hey, I'm going to go out and do this, or hey, I'm going to go try that. And, it, and it's sort right. of interesting of how it's sort of bringing kids back to what it was when we were growing up, right? There's an opportunity for them to go try new things. or. Right you know what, like go out and get lost in the woods because mm-hmm. no one's coming around to come take you anyways, number one, right. and number two, <laughs> you know, I think it's less so than it was when we were kids anyways. Um, there's just, we have real-time news you know, talking about it. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, talk to us about you know, toughness, right? Toughness is, has been lost. And I think that's mm-hmm. another piece of this whole thing and understanding that like, hey, you know, sometimes you just have to step up to the plate one way or the other. Talk to us about sort of toughness through this, but just toughness in general and getting it back.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely sort of you know lean on the side of we as a society are losing our tolerance for distress. And the truth is, you know, companies are making billions of dollars off of the vulnerability that we have to lean more towards something that is less stressful than something that is stressful. Um, And, you know, anything from Amazon one click to now all of our food can be delivered at any time to now we can get whatever show we want on TV at any given time. Like, do you remember the days when we actually had call waiting or even better yet, a busy signal? Like when you called someone and it was busy and you couldn't talk to them. So what did you do? You waited. You waited until they were available. But now you call someone, they don't pick up, you text them or you send them a Snapchat, or you send a message on Instagram. Like there's so many ways that get us out of even tiny little experiences of discomfort, like patience, you know, or boredom, right? One of the things, for example, that I've heard a lot of parents ask right now is how do we keep our kids occupied? Why do we have to? What if you don't keep your kid occupied? Like nothing's gonna happen. They're not gonna internally combust. They're going to figure it out, you know? I'm a big proponent of, listen, we all get one meal at dinner. If you don't want to eat it, fine. But I'm not cooking multiple things for you, right? Guess what? They end up eating what's on the plate because otherwise they go to bed hungry. So I think we have to lean more into what, unfortunately, our brain sort of trains us against because our brain wants us to be comfortable, right? It, like, it, it wants to preserve as much energy as possible for survival, so it's going to normally opt into the things that are more comfortable than the things that are uncomfortable. And so we're working against that a little bit. But I think when it comes to toughness, we have to consciously remind ourselves that there is opportunity in picking the tougher road, right? And some of us just might be more inclined to that. Like Joe DeSena, the founder of Spartan, and myself will often say that when we're running and the, and the trail splits and one looks easier than the other... I am naturally pulled towards the tough one. Like I want to do the easy one, but then I'm like, oh, you mother effer, I'm going to do the tough one. You know, and I go in the tough direction. So some of us are just more inclined to go that way and others would always pick the easy path. But I think regardless, what you have to remember is it's a conscious choice. Like you are making a choice in that moment, right? To either build distress, distress tolerance, which is such a key skill for us to have, or for you to opt out of what I think is actually life. Like if you choose the easy road all the time, you are opting out of the experience of life. And I'm sure you would agree with this. The unbelievable confidence and joy and sense of fulfillment you get when you try something tough, and even if you fail, just the fact that you've tried it, like makes such a positive mark on your life that I would pick that all day long. But again, it's conscious. And I think for a lot of people, they think, you know, well, I'm just, that's just not the person I am. Like, I'm just not the person that does the tough stuff that will wake up and immediately work out or that picks Brussels sprouts over the Doritos. Like, I'm just not that person. And the truth is, that is a story that you are telling yourself to keep yourself comfortable. We are all capable of change. I have witnessed in my private practice the most monumental changes from people in their lives um, that I truly believe all of us are capable of huge seismic shifts, but it's a conscious choice and you have to lean into that, which is difficult.
0: No, and that's it. And it could be, you know, vulnerability, right? And just opening yourself up. It could totally. be asking for help. It's
1: That's right. You
0: know, and a lot of people, you know, that's actually harder than actually doing something that's, you know, they think is so-called tough. Is like, hey, I can't deal with this. And, you know, many of my, you know, I deal with anxiety. I deal with a lot of that stuff. And sometimes when shit hits the fan, it's like, you got to call someone, you got to, you know, and that's the next right. thing you know, it's like, you know, you don't want to, because you're up vulnerable or you're not dealing with that. You know, it's like, hey, and next thing you know, it's like, oh, you feel better. And the fact that, you know, that's the equivalent of taking the harder trail, right? You can just sit there and stew on it or everything else, but it's like, hey, let's go take the hard trail. And then when you're done, you've accomplished something or you're at your top of the mountain. Right. That's the, yeah. that's the big piece. And it's, and it can be little things. Like you said, you do one th- hard thing a day, right. Or just do try to do half a thing that's outside of your comfort zone. Right. Those all add up. And I think that's what, you know, And you almost like, even right now it's, you have to be conscious of that. Right. I think yeah. is, be like, okay, because it's easy to just watch Netflix. It's, it, Everyone's doing it, right? And That's right. I think now it's people are like, oh shit, I can't just do that anymore. So what do I really need to do? Versus of just sort of staying steady throughout this whole time.
1: That's right. And Ken, you make such a great point about being vulnerable as like a sign of courage and toughness. And I mean, I would say hands down for me, one of the hardest things in my life is asking for help you know, it's like, I'll be running myself ragged around the house, getting the kids lunch ready, prepare, starting to prepare dinner at like 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, texting somebody about work. And my husband will say, "Hey, do you need something? And I'll say, no, I'm fine. You know, it's like, what's actually the most uncomfortable for me to say is yes, actually, could you help X, Y, or Z? Like that's really hard for me. So I love that point that you made that, listen, for some people, it doesn't always look like taking the hard trail, right? It is in those um, in those maybe other shifts where society has deemed something weak. Society has deemed asking for help as weak or being dependent on somebody as weak or being vulnerable as weak. When, in so many ways, what we know actually is like those are some of the greatest measures of courage if we 're able to step into those, so I think that 's such a great reminder for the listeners
0: no perfect no so where do you you know where do you see people going coming out of this? do you see you know you know, from a mental health perspective, is it, are people, you know, still going backwards are They moving forward? What, you know, or what, or what advice could you give to people, you know, now that we're four months into this thing of, you know, sort of, is there hope? Is there, you know, how do you deal with it? Right. You know, I don't know if there's hope or not. Yeah. I wish I could say one thing or the other, but how, you know, people that are sort of in this mode of now shit's real, right. Yeah. we four months into it. This isn't just right. something that's, Gonna end. We've seen sort of the cycle of the whole thing sort of come back, and you know, what advice would you give to people moving forward? Hopefully, through, you know, through the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, and the you know, the truth is, the truth is, Ken, that I have been actually blown away by the resilience that I am seeing um, in people, and I think for me, it actually has been a reminder of. Um, Of how capable we are as humans, you know, and certainly that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, individuals aren't feeling suffering from this and feeling struggle from this. Um, But I have seen acts of kindness and acts of like humanity that have blown me away. And so, one thing I guess that I would say to people is if that's not what you're seeing, you're watching the wrong stuff. You know, and right now I know that people are, they're having a hard time from turning their head away from the news and from turning their head away from the things that are really, um, you know, baiting them into this experience. Um, and I guess I would say like, if you're if you're feeling overwhelmed by what you're watching, try watching something different, you know? Um, like John Krasinski's Some Good News, did you see that thing that he did? Like no. he- Oh, it was brilliant. I mean, the gentleman from the office, you know, he right. started basically doing a whole segment around, listen, there's good stuff also happening right now. So so I think really like as humans, we need to begin to observe and recognize the filter and the lens through which we're seeing things. And yes, there are, there are horrible things happening. And I'm not saying there's not. What I am saying is if it feels to you like those horrible things are drowning you and um, and making you feel incapable of taking a deep, good breath, shift your attention, shift your attention towards something that can help you, right? So that's one thing I would say. The other thing I would say is I think now more than ever is such an, in, such a, an awesome opportunity for us to really dial into our values us to really dial into what it is that matters to us and maybe reflect a little bit on did that get lost like over the last 5 years have i been way too focused on making sure that you know um, that i'm protecting my 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 family from a financial stability point of view that i don't even know you know that my child likes climbing instead of skateboarding you know it's like how do you shift if how do you shift your values and begin to dial back into the things that really, really matter to you? Um, because I think that we, when we are in alignment with our values, right? like when what we value matches up with our behavior, we are in integrity. And in integrity lies wellness. Um, and so I think we need to do more of that. And unfortunately, we get so wrapped up in the daily grind and the hyper productivity and the constant stimulation That we forget to ask ourselves what matters? Like, what do I really care about right now? Yes, it's important that I keep my family financially stable. Yes, I wanna make sure that we're protected as much as possible. But goodness gracious, I also wanna know what my kid's thinking when he goes to bed at night, you know? So, how do we dial more into that? And then also in that same realm, how do we identify what it is that we want for ourselves in our next steps, right? and how do we give ourselves that opportunity for reflection um, and for, and for, you know, recalibration in a lot of ways, are there, are there areas in our life that we need to recalibrate somewhat in order to feel more stable and more grounded and less overwhelmed and brought down, you know, by the, the totality and the entity of what's going on right now?
0: No, that's awesome. And, and thank you for that. You know, because, it's in shifting that lens, right? And, and a lot of people, it's, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard, but you can always find something. I love what you're saying. It's, you know, if you're looking at Facebook or the news or whatever, it's the end of the world as we know it, right? That's and right. That's you know right. and what? And who was saying the world before was any better than the world's going to be, right? And that's that's exactly
1: right. Yeah. And I guess like, you know, something that I say often is like, we, we walk around with our head down, right? Like looking at our iPhone, looking at our computer, look up. You know, like start to actually take in the world around you rather than this filtered world that a lot of people want you to see. And 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 things begin to shift a little bit. Again, it doesn't mean this is going away. Like if you look up, yes, we're still in a pandemic. Yes, we're still unsure whether or not kids are going back to school. Yes, the economy is still in a big struggle right now. And where do you find opportunity in that for yourself, for helping other people, and for dialing into the things that matter?
0: Awesome, Larry. This is amazing. And thank you for, you know, for your time here. Where can people find you? Where can they find more about you and the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, my website dot www.drlarapence.com, and there's no U in the LARA. Um, It's just L A R A. That's also my Instagram handle, at Dr. Lara Pence. Um, I launched a new product at the beginning of the year, which, in and of itself, was a challenge as all of this sort of blew up. We were launching a new business. Um, It's called Life Box. It's L I G H F B O X, and it's basically a box of questions and prompts that will help you begin to find you know, yourself in all of this and allow you to really dial into that element of self-awareness, which as we know, creates better relationships, helps you in productivity, helps you be more creative. So they can also go there as well.
0: Awesome. And, and, and again, thank you. This was amazing. And to all the listeners, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to reach out to me at kennethexecutiveathletes.com. Make sure you subscribe, keep listening, share everything everywhere. And, you know, we'll all make it through there, but go out there and keep crushing it. Thanks for listening.